0: is the under center podcast hello and welcome to the under center podcast i'm your host darimar and this is our first edition of the show in 2022 we took a bit of a break uh, over christmas decided to try and enjoy the festivities a little bit and you know to be fair jake with our teams um i don't think we wanted to talk much football anyway yeah, um, as you can see, I've hidden the Giants jersey. I'm a little bit <laughs>
1: depressed about it right now, but uh, hopefully we're on the upswing. I don't know. But
0: uh, I thought I thought you would be wearing the jersey today after the news from last night. No, I'm gonna have to wait till we
1: at least win a game or five games or something before I start successfully uh, or being happy about the
0: Giants again. Of course I am joined by my trusting host Jake Woolhead as always and um, we are looking ahead to Super Wildcard Weekend and we are delighted to be joined in our first half of the show today by Sam Farley who's an NFL writer over in England, I was going to say America because we're always so used to saying this, sorry. Uh, Sam, it's great to have you on, how are you?
2: Yeah I'm really good thanks, I'm excited for the
0: weekend and and all the kind of excitement that
2: the playoffs bring.
0: Yeah, I oh, should uh, should ask from the outset as well. Then, who would uh, who would your team be? Are you sort of looking forward to these games, or are you just already sort of checked out with your team?
2: Yeah, yeah, I've checked out. I'm on holiday on the beach. Uh, I'm, I'm a Jags <laughs> fan, so yeah. Oh. It's... <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. At least
2: at least we managed to have a have quite an important say on the playoffs, even if it wasn't in the way
0: that I would have liked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. Well, look, it was a good way to end what was a, a turbulent season. I think you and the Raiders were sort of in a race to see who could have the most disastrous year. Um, <laughs> so definitely, you at least you won that for sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> not not the, not what we wanted, but it, it, yeah, it, it was an
2: interesting end of the year. And now Urban Meyer's gone. I think the <laughs> franchise can kind of rebuild after what is frankly one of the worst ten years in in recent years of anybody in any sport. <laughs>
0: yeah well very quick before we get into the games then um obviously they're one of the teams looking for a new head coach is there anybody that you've seen um linked with the team that you like the look of
2: um there's definitely been a few people linked with the team i don't like the look of um (laughs) bill o'brien in particular (laughs) i don't know i don't know who his agent is but they they need a pay rise they're doing great work but i think two guys i Love are Leftwich and Caldwell because I think I think they're guys that are just going to get the culture right to start with. Uh, obviously, Leftwich really promising guy as well has the history with Jacksonville uh, and Caldwell. What he did in Detroit at the time, I ended up thinking it's not that great, but when you look back, uh, <laughs> it was certainly a lot better than than they've been since. And I think he's a guy who culture is such a big part of what he does, and culture is something that this team needs so so badly. So I think. They, they'd be my two choices, either of those guys.
0: Good choices, good choices for sure. Um, this definitely, and, and Jake will probably talk about it more maybe later in the week as well. About the head coaching changes, it was another Black Monday that did not fail to deliver with full of surprises. And like the Giants, they always have to show up late to the party <laughs> and, and do their moves a couple of days later. Um, but let's uh, let's look ahead though, we're going to look ahead to the games this weekend we're going to be speaking to um phil perry from nbc sports in boston in the second half of the show where we'll focus more on the bills and the patriots game there but let's uh let's go in order from from kickoff so we'll start with the saturday games and the first one of course is the las vegas raiders against the cincinnati bengals the raiders coming off that crazy overtime win against the chargers to make the playoffs and you know it's I don't, it's it's sort of like a, this, this game in in particular, it's one thing I've noticed in the build up to the playoffs um, guys, that there's a lot of new, uh, new things to this playoffs. And this, these two teams encapsulate that quarterbacks, like important players and very new to the playoffs that haven't played playoff games before. Derek Carr was involved with a team in the playoffs, but unfortunately he broke his leg. He never actually got to play the playoff game. Two head coaches are both rookies when it comes to playoff games as well, so we could get a cagey affair in this game. On the other side, we could get two teams that are just going to say, you know what, f this, we're just going to go for it. And and Sam, I'll go for you. I'll go with you first on this one. What, which way would you think you'd be leaning for ahead of this game? Do you think it'd be more of a cagey affair, or do you think this could be, you know, um, a shootout? I think this has real shootout potential.
2: I, I'd go as far as to say if there's one one game out of all of them that's going to be the highest scoring, I'd probably put my money on this. I think Joe Burrow he is getting hot at just the right time. The Raiders, I don't know how they do it. I have no idea how they do it, but they somehow manage to just constantly win and perform well when maybe they shouldn't be. And I, I think I think they're going. I I think they're going to be playing from behind. Um, and I think that often seems to suit the Raiders and um, they seem to get the bit between their teeth and really kind of fight for it. So I think this could be, I think this is going to be an absolutely brilliant game to start off the weekend.
1: Yeah, I have absolutely agree with you. I was just looking up there. You mentioned that the, the massive amounts of points that we think that could be scored I look there the, the over under is 49 points which I feel like is quite low I would have said 54 or something like I, I feel like it's just going to be touchdown whoever whoever t- has the ball offensively last is probably going to win it's going to come down to it like that the point spread is minus five and a half to the Bengals so it, even the bookies thinks the Bengals is going to win and I have to say I agree with them I, I think you're right Sam Joe Burrow is just looking better and better every single week he plays this game, and he's got some great connection with T. Higgins, and uh, just the rest of the team just seems to fall right behind him, and and he just looks great doing it.
0: Yeah, and interesting that you both mentioned Burrow as well, and, and he like he's getting hot at the right time and I think he's quite he's played well throughout the whole season now to be fair but he hasn't gotten a lot of talk for comeback player of the year which I think he should be considered a comeback player of the year more than that because Burrow also went out with a serious injury last year too so I'm not sure why he's not getting as much talk for for comeback player of the year as he should that's a really good point actually I, I
2: don't think I've heard anybody put his name in that conversation and ultimately there isn't much different between what happened to him and what happened to Dak, who's obviously kind of very much in the conversation and yeah, I don't know whether it's just because of how new he was to the league or, or what, but yeah, that is quite a strange, strange anomaly.
1: Yeah. It's something I hadn't thought about either, because as you said, you hear Dak all the time as like comeback player of the year and he's probably the the favorite. I haven't looked, but uh, Joe Burroughs arguably has less time to do on kind of a worse team and like you see kind of all these different arguments, but still, Joe Burrow's overcome it, and well, so is Dak, to be fair, but it just seemed like a bit of a stretch for Joe Burrow to get that far, and he has made it.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking, because Joe Burrow took this team to the playoffs, a Bengals team that probably no one expected to get to the playoffs, with a head coach who was under pressure at the start of the year where you look at Dak and, and Dak is on a Cowboys team, which you do expect to go to the playoffs. You know, I know we like to give, you know, shit to the NFC East, you know, it's not what, calling it one of the worst divisions, but the best it, division <laughs> in all of football. It's <laughs> definitely probably the most entertaining. It's most talked about, maybe not for the good reasons. All right. But, you know, that's, it was just something when I was doing research for this, that I thought, why isn't he getting enough, enough talk for this on the Raider side of things though. You know, interim coach Rick and um, Basace has done a really, really good job. You know, he steadied the ship after the, the John Gruden emails and obviously subsequent resignation came out. If he was to win this game, do you think that that is the, the job for him now? Um, or do you think he's already, he should have already deserved the job after just making it to the playoffs with the Raiders? I'll start with you, Jake, on this one.
1: The way I think about it is when you get named an interim coach, you really are just an interim coach. I don't know when the last time an interim coach took over as the head coach full-time, but I just don't... You don't see it often. And I just feel like, unless he wins the Super Bowl, he probably is going to get replaced by somebody. But on the other side of it, the Raiders are starting on a back foot because by the time they get to be interviewing head coach candidates, if that's what they want to do, they're going to be left with whoever hasn't hired one
2: at that stage. I think it's something they really need to consider, actually. Because he has at least studied the ship if not potentially improved it you could say um he's he's just done so well there and i mean it seems like every every week there's there's something new going wrong in um las vegas and the way they've reached the the playoffs is in my mind and i I don't think they're necessarily even the best team kind of talent wise i i think it's arguably the most impressive of all of the performances by any team to get to the playoffs um whether or not they'll go very far, I think that's definitely up for grabs. But he he has to be in the conversation for this job. And I, I'd say he probably has done enough now that the players seem to be buying into what he's saying. He understands and knows the culture of the team. And I, I think he probably does deserve a shot at it.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I want to hear who you think the key players are going to be heading into this game for me now I was looking at, at Darren Waller in this um he missed 5 games um with uh, an ankle issue he came back there in the Raiders game at the weekend he he didn't register a catch to, uh, looking at actually his stats for this year, he had a really bright opening to the season, but he sort of tailed off a bit. Maybe that ankle issue was sort of bugging him a little bit before he started missing games. But, you know, he is going to sort of be integral to, to this Raiders team if they want to beat um, the Bengals um and to move on in the playoffs. But, but Sam, is there any other players you're looking out for this?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's obvious that the quarterbacks are obviously kind of key and that receiving core of of the Bengals is absolutely phenomenal but for me I think Yannick Ngokwe of the Raiders is is going to be key because in my in my eyes this is Joe Burrow's game to kind of really show out or ultimately lose and I don't overly think that offensive line in front of him is brilliant and if Yannick Ngokwe can kind of have a real day on the edge and cause a lot of problems I think he could he could really really damage Cincinnati I think he's got I'm having a look now, 10 sacks on the season, by far and away clear of everybody on the Raiders. And I think he's he's the danger man. If he if he doesn't perform well, I don't think they really stand a chance of winning this game.
1: Yeah, for me, I think uh, I like Joe Mixon. I think if Joe Mixon has a big game, it helps Joe Burrow and gets that passing game open up for like T Higgins and the rest of them. And we know they can throw the ball. So if they can run the ball very effectively, I'd like to see that. And then they can run, hopefully, get a good rack up a good amount of rush, rushing yards and then have all the, the linebackers move in, get stopped run and then you open up the back and then it really becomes an explosive day for Joe Burrow.
0: Yeah, definitely for sure. And especially in the first playoff game where there will be nerves there. You definitely want your running game to help ease the pressure on you a little bit for sure. Jake and, and Sam with, with saying and got in Gokwe is interesting because all the all the headlines at the moment obviously go to to Max Crosby, and you know I think he's only registered six sacks this year, but the amount of pressures that he gets on, so it's allowing Ngakwe to sort of you know have those one-on-one matchups to be his his lineman and and to um, sort of get the sacks uh, in there while obviously all the attention is on is on Crosby.
2: Yeah, I think Crosby is probably the the better of the two, but he's he's the one who's going to be kind of manhandled around the most and double teams and I think ultimately the two of them have a really nice connection uh either side of that uh <coughs> defensive line and realistically I think this this Raiders defense is one that we've not talked about as being brilliant all season and statistically they aren't in that kind of upper echelon but they're consistently really performing at probably slightly above their talent levels I'd say uh which I think is potentially a really good coaching job um there but They're sneakily good, and I think they could actually cause quite a lot of problems for the Bengals.
0: And uh, finally, uh, predictions for this one. Who who do you think is going to move on?
2: For me, Bengals, I'm quite confident. I think they'll cover the spread as well.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with Bengals as well on this one because uh, they just look a lot stronger. Now, the Raiders have overcome a lot this season, so I wouldn't be surprised if they keep it close, but I do think the Bengals cover the spread as well.
0: I'm not too confident on them covering the spread I think there might be a field goal in it but I I think it's a, I, I agree with, with both of you I think it, it will be the Bengals to sort of move on and I think the, the home advantage is going to be big for them in this one as well I get that Cincinnati crowd behind them let's move on then to uh, Sunday's games and we'll start with the 6pm uh, game of course that is the Eagles Philadelphia Eagles travelling to Tampa Bay take on the defending champion Buccaneers and for me this is my game to watch out for this weekend where I think the, there's the biggest potential of an upset. Um, the Eagles have spent the whole season surprising everyone. I know Jake is laughing his head off at this right now because <laughs> it's the Eagles. <laughs> but no one expects them to even make it to the playoffs to win as many games as they have. And, you know, Jalen Hurts, I think, has proven to, him, proven to the Eagles that he is going to be the guy going forward. That Eagles defense and especially coinciding with the Buccaneers' offensive injuries that they're going on, well, I think is also um, an interesting matchup to look out for this year, too. Um, you know, the Bucs they get uh Shaq uh, Barrett back this week, but you know, Cyril Grayson, their sort of backup wide receiver, isn't is, an, is a, uh, questionable. Um, Richard Sherman, that was on IR, he's gone for the rest of the season obviously the antonio brown debacle that led to him leaving and so you're looking at sort of maybe just you know gronk and mike evans as the as the main receivers of course cameron bray is a good um red zone target as well but uh jake i'll start with you on this one what is your mind your thoughts ahead of this game um well you know how much i hate the eagles it's
1: almost much i hate every other nfc east team Bar the Giants. Uh, I do understand where you're coming from. The, the Eagles don't make it easy for you to win against them, but I just don't think they have what it takes to beat Tom Brady, the Buccaneers. They have, I think, three three good players coming back. Did I not see Leonard Fournette coming back as well today? Yes. So, yeah. um, that just makes that team a little bit stronger. And, you know, Tom Brady really likes Leonard Fournette when he's on the field. He plays a little bit better. He always has. He seems to be a bit more sure-handed than, than Rojo. So, uh, yeah, no, I like the books in this one. I think they could just take it—an uh, eight and a half point favorite. Um, the books are at the minute, so uh, I, I feel like they get that game handy enough.
2: Yeah, this this is an interesting one, you know, because I I'm kind of torn. I think the the spread's eight and a half, isn't it? And I think yeah. the Bucks either clear that by some margin, like <laughs> it's a 15-20 point win, like an absolute thrashing, or the Eagles win. I don't think there's a middle ground. Um, which is I, there's something about Jalen Hurts that there's so much when you watch him that isn't right. Like his his sort of arm isn't brilliant. His mechanics don't look particularly sound. Yet he just has this this sort of knack of I don't know, leading his team somewhere. Which is I think he's a lot a lot better than he probably. I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying like he, he's better than he is almost but he's a guy who I think he's I saw someone on Twitter post that his kind of stats through 16 games through his first 16 games are kind of quite similar to Lamar's were in his first 16 games and I I really do think there's something to to kind of build on with him and I'd like to see them give him at least another year and I think if he if he performs well and if he kind of gets to use his feet a little bit and has a bit of confidence in his arm I think they could could be a bit of an upset there but ultimately, they're playing Tom Brady at home. I mean, it's it's hard to look beyond the box. But I think I think there is a little off chance that we could see something spicy on Sunday. The other thing I was thinking there,
1: Jalen Hurts, a big part of his game is being mobile, and he's just coming off of that angle injury. I wonder how much that kind of affects him or limits his uh, his running around ability.
0: Yeah, well, the Eagles, given most of their first teamers a, a bye week last week, I think would have helped heal up any sort of, you know, niggling injuries they may be, they would have carried into this game.
1: Yeah, maybe. I suppose I, suppose I think a lot of people love Jalen Hurts because if you have him in fantasy, he's the best garbage time quarterback <laughs> that there has been all seasons. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> It's all about the points there Jake all about the points for sure. <laughs> but um then you mentioned um we were mentioned briefly about about Tom Brady and you know Aaron Rodgers is getting all the MVP talk should we be talk, talking more about Tom Brady another year over 5000 yards 43 touchdown thrown as well leads the league in that you know I think I believe, and Jake, we had a show a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, maybe at this stage, where we talked about who should be a you know, mid-season MVP. And I said Tom Brady. I'm still sticking with that. He still should be MVP. Um, Yeah, I can see, I see why. But the amount that Aaron
1: Rodgers has improved over the season, so since the second half has just really exploded. And he just seems to have gotten back into a groove. And when you get hot at the end of the season, that really puts you in the front runner for that MVP race.
2: Yeah, I've, I'm. I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan, um, and that's long before this season. I, there's something about him that really grates on me. Um, I think it's that sort of Californian boy kind of <laughs> attitude. But it's he's undoubtedly the best quarterback in the league right now, in my mind. And yeah, if there was somebody I'd be um, I'd be throwing up as a, a name instead of Rogers, it wouldn't be Brady. It'd be a receiver that I'm sure we're going to talk about in in a little while, Cooper Cup, but. Um, yeah, I think Brady's he's in the conversation, but I, I don't think he can really kind of compare with Rogers this year, who's with sort of far weaker tools, has been otherworldly.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, and so the Eagles now are sort of sitting pretty as well in the playoffs. Um, they've got their quarterback that they want, even though, you know, people think that shouldn't work. They send Carson Wentz to the Colts. And they get a first-round pick back for him and the Colts don't even make the playoffs. I think it's the best-case scenario the Eagles could have hoped for.
1: Yeah, was... absolutely. I mean, that's just some trade, some finessing by the Eagles organization to get rid of a quarterback who who had one really good season, got injured, and then after that never really came back to form. And then they got rid of him with the possibility of getting a second. And now it's just transformed into a first. And it's a first where the team doesn't make the playoffs. So. That's just crazy. It's That is some finessing by the GM. He deserves a promotion for that or some sort of bonus.
2: Yeah, it's incredible. Seeing, seeing. I don't know if you saw it, the national championship game, they had RG3 and Andrew Luck kind of on, on camera together and seeing Andrew Luck there and just thinking like, if, if only he'd have stayed healthy with that Colts yeah. team, uh, they would be just walking their way
0: to a Super Bowl win here, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and the rumors are they might be moving off from Wentz as well in the in the off season. Frank Reich is not exactly um, cementing Wentz as a starter next year, which is also very interesting too. But uh, so I'm guessing you guys both going to go with with the books on on Sunday. Yeah, I'm taking the books so. for a handy
1: win. Yep,
0: I second that. Okay, okay. Um, I'd like to. I, I I think maybe Eagles. I want to say Eagles. I think they might be a surprise, yeah. but. Y- you know you kind of do have to go with books because they are the champions and they should really move on from this game, even if the Eagles do give them a bit of trouble. They may not cover the spread, um, I, I'm not liking the spread on a lot of games this week, I think, I think it's too big. Um, so I think if you want to get some, uh, if you want to get it, uh, that way, I think you might be in with a chance to win a bit of money. But let's move on to the uh, nine o'clock game, and that is, of course, the 49ers against the Cowboys in AT Stadium. Jerry World. Jake, another <laughs> NFC East two team. NFC East teams I have to watch <laughs> yeah, this weekend, and not one of them is the Giants.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely disgusting.
0: It, this is probably the most I'd say the most even matchup I'd like to say of the whole of all the weekends games. Um, um well you could argue maybe the Rams and the Cardinals as well, but you know, at the 49ers, of course, they showed real fight to come back from 17-0 down against the Rams on Sunday. Um, to win that game in overtime, to make the playoffs. You know, of course, given Sean McVay, his, McFay, I should say, his first loss as a coach when he's leading at halftime. Um, so that that's uh, that's something for them to, to put on the trophy mantle if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, at least. Um, Zeke has struggled a little bit this year as well. Again, um, I think maybe we can sort of close the book on Zeke being an elite running back. I think that's done now. I think he is just a part of the team. He's not the team anymore. Um, but the interesting side in the 49ers, um, the emergence of Juwan Jennings in the last couple of weeks to be another outlet for Jimmy and sometimes Debo as well, because he does everything at this stage, um, as a receiver, um, is going to cause um this cowboy secondary another a uh, few problems. Um and uh, I will see. And of course, Debo Samuel, um, probably the uh, MVP for the second half of this season. Um, he's definitely been fantastic for the 49ers and probably elevate himself all the way up to a first round pick in next year fantasy drafts for a lot of uh, players too. But Sam, I'll start with you on this one. Um, what are you looking for in, in this game?
2: Do you know what? I'm just looking for a sign of what's going to happen because like, like you said, this is the closest game. I think the bookies have it the closest. And it's one I have flip-flopped on it all week, pretty much. Every day, I think it's somebody different. I have a conversation with somebody, and I change my view. And I think we, we're going to have to see both defences at their top. I think the, the Cowboys' defence, obviously, this year is hugely improved. I think second in defensive DVOA, which is an absolute leap on from last year when they were awful. Obviously you got Parsons, almost certainly defensive rookie of the year. They are a really good defense and they're going to have to kind of take everything that uh, Kyle Shanahan's going to throw at them. And there's going to be some, you know, he's saved some stuff up in that playbook. We're going to see some very fun stuff, uh, very exciting stuff, I'm sure. And I think they're just going to have to be so tough, tight and resolute on their defense. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's all about the defense, I think, which is it's strange considering both teams have pretty explosive offenses. But I think the defense are ultimately going to be the thing that define this game.
1: Yeah, I'm agreeing with you as well, because it is very close. I, I've been flip-flopping as well. I, I don't want to pick the Cowboys, but sometimes you think you kind of have to because how good do they look sometimes, then they're also kind of infuriating to watch as well, but then also, I'm not a fan of Jimmy Garoppolo, I've never have been a huge fan of him, but they do have Kyle Shannon, they do have Devo, so it's going to make life very difficult for the, the Cowboys' defense, and I think when you have players like Micah Parsons and stuff like that, you're going to have to try scheme around them. You have to scheme around the best guy on the defense. And I think Kyle could probably scheme around Micah Parsons. There's probably going to be a lot of screens, a lot of jet motions with Debo in the backfield and stuff like that. So um, it's definitely a hard one to pick. Another one I can see, I'm probably going to flip-flop it until Saturday evening, I'd say, until Dara forces a pick out of me for our pick competition. <laughs> so... Um I don't know if this is a tough one to pick. Um I just seen a stat I googled it there before the show. Uh Dallas are 6 and 0 obviously against the NFC East, but that's not really a, a great achievement. But they're 6 and 5 against everybody not NFC East. So that uh the NFC East is terrible, so that doesn't really help their their <laughs> justification.
0: Yeah, I think one player that's uh, going to be vitally important to this game is Trent Williams. Um, he missed last week uh, for uh, against the Rams um, and they obviously got through the game and, and won to make it to the playoffs but I think in this game especially with uh, uh, DeMarcus La- Lawrence as well as well as Mika Parsons and Randy Gregory too that I think uh, Trent Williams is going to be so important that to um, look after that left side of that line
1: Yeah definitely a strong defensive front from the, the Cowboys there it's going to give a lot of trouble if they don't have Trent Williams coming into the game
0: what do you guys make of uh Trayvon Diggs? Because In the Cowboys <laughs> cornerback? Yes, yeah. yeah.
1: Because cause everybody it's... gives him all this, he's got all the, the interceptions, but then you look at the rest of the stats behind him and it's, he's given yeah. up the most amount of yards to wide receivers in the league. So what do you want? Do you want all the interceptions? Do you want all the, the yards given up? Yeah. Just because
2: I... he's a cowboy, he's overblown. <laughs> it's It's clear he's He's clearly a good player, Like you don't get that many interceptions if you're not. I mean, you don't play in the NFL if you're not either, but there is a lot of hyperbole around him when some of the kind of, like you mentioned, the, the supporting argument, so to so to speak, doesn't really stack up with putting him at the very kind of elite end of the cornerback. The so for me, I, I don't think he's particularly elite. I think he's just having a, a incredible purple patch, but that's not going to matter to the Cowboys if they win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's
0: true. <laughs> <laughs> that is, you are definitely right for sure. Um, no, that's what. I, and Jake, that's the reason why I brought it up for for the stats that you brought up too. And um, you know, he he will, um, you know, catch an interception, but then the next one he could be burned for about a forty yard gain. You know, so it's kind of like, yeah, you take, you know, you take the, you take, you have to take both sides of that. If if you are going to have him on the team, and look, eleven picks is still eleven picks. You know, so that's that's still something to look for, uh, to be uh, happy about. Um, the Steelers and the Chiefs. Now I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this because, you know, <laughs> we saw the preview of this game in Week 16, 36 points to 10. Um, you know, Big Ben's retirement party goes on to to Arrowhead for another week. You know. The Steelers should not have made it to the playoffs. Um, I don't know how they are in the playoffs currently. Um, You know, I tweeted out that like them being in the playoffs makes the playoffs less watchable um, because like obviously they took it away from Justin Herbert and, and the Chargers and, you know, that's their own fault for not making it. But, you know, we can't see anything else but a Chiefs win here, right?
1: No, I mean, you have to absolutely just think Chiefs are or something has gone severely wrong for the Chiefs. Um, I don't see how Ben Rettlesberger survives this game and many more. I don't know if he can, his arm will let him go to the Super Bowl, even he's usually finished by this in the past few years.
2: There's no, not, not a can hell's chance, is there? Let's be honest. I think 13 points spread, I think that's quite low. Um, the Steelers are. I've got a bit of a soft spot for them, but they are not a good football team. They're the worst team by some margin, I'd say, in the playoffs. And Mike Tomlin has done just an absolutely unbelievable job with this team, but not even Mike Tomlin can can get a win here. It's, it's not happening. Like, they're, like you say, it's not happening. We, we all know it's not happening.
0: He well, it's just to, play, home. just to play devil's advocate a little bit. Like This season has been absolutely crazy already. You know, what's one more crazy result involving like the Steelers um against you know, against this Chiefs, you know, side, but I don't think it's gonna happen, but I guess we gotta fill a couple of minutes of the show by saying it could happen, right? Do you think they cover it thirteen points though? No. The Chiefs or <laughs> yeah. the Steelers. But oh, no, Chiefs. The, Chiefs, the Chiefs definitely cover yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's all yeah. right. I thought you were saying the Steelers are coming up here. <laughs> no, no way, no way. Like the thing is, if they can score more than the, the 10 points that they did in, in week 16, I'll be surprised. Um, you know, and he only scored that because they got a garbage time touchdown from DeAndre Johnson. Um, when I think it was just they actually wanted to take Big Ben out of that game because obviously they were getting beaten so badly but Ben just wanted to play and get a touchdown for for Johnson which he did in the end and it, you know it's oh, look I don't know it's just it's it's such a miss mismatch um you know if that was if that I if the if there was a draw in that game last week this would have been the Raiders facing the Chiefs and we probably would have been saying we would have been saying the same thing though because the Raiders yeah. have lost by like 30-40 points in both of their games this year against the Chiefs. So, you know, I think I think it's it's yeah, it's just it's gonna be a Chiefs win. We'll just we'll move yeah. on anyway. We'll move yeah, on we to the Monday night football. <laughs> and uh this is pro- this is probably the game of the week. Uh it's an NFC West matchup, the Arizona Cardinals traveling to LA to take on the Rams. One and one so far this year. Interestingly, the Cardinals won. Uh, 37 points to 20 in SoFi in week four as part of their seven game winning run. But the Cardinals have been sort of hard to figure out this year. Like I said, they started the season with seven and seven and oh, but only won four of the next 10 after that. And in in those six losses, they included the Panthers, the Lions, the Colts and the Seahawks in that time but also one of their four wins was traveling to dallas to beat the cowboys so i don't know which way to 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 sort of you know take this cardinals team um and and sam i'll start with you on this one like it's very reminiscent of their season last year where they started hot and then they just you know tired out and they just didn't make the playoffs this time they have made the playoffs. So it's going to see if they can get that sort of, you know, cohesion back um, to see if they can uh, get through this game.
2: Yeah, and like you say, it's it is a really tough one to call. and I've sort of flip-flopped a bit on this. I said before the season, actually I said after the Matt Stafford trade, it was going to be the Rams Super Bowl. And I've I kind of stuck with that before the season. And as the season's gone on, I'm still sticking with it because I feel like I have to. But inside, I am starting to lose a bit of confidence.
1: Um,
2: But ultimately, I worry about who isn't there for the Cardinals more than who is. Um, And I think one of the biggest names missing, he's definitely a big name, but a guy who did so much in, I think, the seven games was JJ Watt. He, He really kind of looked like he just became a huge part of that defense, became part of their identity in no time at all. I don't think they've really been quite as good, certainly not defensively, since he since he was um, on the sidelines. I think against this, this Rams offense, you need everybody there, everybody able to step up on defense. And you just know Sean McVay's been kind of planning for this for a little while. He's probably got a little, little book somewhere. He's been making little notes. <laughs> not, that he, not that he even needs to write them down, actually. He's got that sort of photographic memory. But um, I, I think we're going to see something quite special, but I don't know who it's going to be but yes it's going to be a special game
1: this is probably the best game in this weekend i'd say it's uh i'd, I'd like it a lot better I'd, I'd be a lot more uh comfortable if i wanted to pick the cardinals if hopkins was playing but i don't think he is as far as i'm aware so this just really that really hurts the cardinals and, and uh i i huh?
0: No, I was just going to uh, say, just just watching their game and uh, uh, watching the the game against the Seahawks on Sunday, um, it pan, the camera did pan to to Hopkins a couple of times, and he's still on a set of crutches, so I, I yeah, don't I think, think he's going to be playing. Now, there's a chance a that JJ game. could be though. There was yeah. they were talking during the game that oh, he really? is hoping he is hoping to practice this week, so there is a chance he could play.
1: It's a tough uh, game. It, it looks like. Yeah, I'm just googling here. It looks like JJ can return. There's still no word in him, but Hopkins is not available at all. So, uh, even if JJ does make the game, I still, I mean, it's four points to the Rams, and and I without Hopkins, I think that should be more to the Rams. I say, or against the Rams rather.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would back the back the Rams. I think they've they've got the the better coach which I think is, is so key when you kind of get to these these big games. And ultimately, they just have this... I know they have lost a few games and they have been stopped, but that offence, when it's on a roll, is unstoppable. You know exactly who Stafford's going to pass the ball to, but you don't really be able to see anyone being able to stop it. And I think if they get that ground game going as well, I think Sony Michel has been really fantastic since he sort of overtook Darrell Henderson as being the starter there. Um, I, I don't really think we're going to see much of Cam Akers despite him being on the sidelines and so on but yeah I think I think the Rams could, could really be something this year but we're going to need to see they've been they've almost been found out I'd say the last sort of four to six weeks and I think they need to show in this game that there is maybe something slightly more to that offence or even if they don't lose this one they might lose the next but I think it is time really for, for McVeigh to show what this offence is all about I think there is a
1: streak for McVeigh over Kingsbury. I don't know what it is at the minute, but the amount of games that McVeigh has won over Kingsbury is like quite a bit. So I don't know if that helps your opinion.
0: Yeah, well, there is a bit of a carousel now when it comes to NFC West teams. So it's um, the Rams always beat the Seahawks. The Seahawks always beat the 49ers and the 49ers always beat the Rams. So, and then the Cardinals are sort of, you know, they beat everyone sometimes then they lose to everyone sometimes you know there's no sort of um, correlation there with that but interestingly we've mentioned Matt Stafford a couple of times and you know this is is the reason why he was brought in because the Rams are wanting to obviously get that Super Bowl and you know he has proven to be that massive step up as compared to to Jared Goff but will the move only be deemed success if Matt Stafford takes them to the Super Bowl?
1: Um, I think
0: it's pretty successful
1: now with the way Matt Stafford is. He's obviously made McVeigh's life a lot easier. Um, and I don't think McVeigh really liked Goff. So um, I, I, I'd say it's a, a success as it is now, considering what they got for trading Goff or had to pay to trade Goff away. Um, I still think it works out well for them. They, they never really used their first round picks. They didn't really care. And they're quite successful without them.
2: Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree. I think I think the reality is that it is a success, but whether or not it's going to be viewed as a success by a lot of people is is another question. I I do think the way they've kind of leveraged so much of their draft, just in signing so many kind of established vets, just giving up picks, they, they have very little left coming up um, in future. And I think the way they've kind of, you know, pushed all the chips in, if it doesn't pay off I think they will look a bit stupid and get some criticism, even if it has ultimately improved the team.
1: Yeah, but it is like one of them. It's a, a plaster fix. It's like, I feel like I'm close. And then you, you go get uh, Jalen Ramsey. Then you feel like you're close. And you get Odell <laughs> Beckham. And you feel like you're close. You get Matt Stafford. At certain point, there's only so much future you can mortgage against trying to get a Super Bowl. So, I mean, how, how long do they have in this window before they have to sign all these big contracts and trade away players and all this sort of stuff.
0: Well, what they do is they just get rid of some players or lose some players to injury and bring back uh, retired guys <laughs> who've been out of the league for two years to, <laughs> to play safety for them. You know That's how it works. That's how it works with the Rams. That's how they can save the money, you know, just get these uh, old guys off the street, you know, um, but I want to talk a little bit about Cooper cup. Um, he has been the man this year for, for the Rams, you know, in in a just world, he would be probably maybe top of that MVP list, like you mentioned a little earlier, Sam. You know, just short of two thousand yards, sixteen touchdowns. He's been phenomenal this year, and you know, um, like you were mentioning, he is the guy that um, will uh, take the the Rams as far as they can go, especially if if uh, Matt Stafford can get the ball to him. Yeah, Cooper Cup is just.
2: He's one of the guys I most enjoy watching in the NFL. He's not as explosive as some other guys. He doesn't have these incredible highlight plays, amazing catches, but he's just so consistent. He doesn't drop the ball hardly ever. He always manages just to get a bit of separation, find some space and, you know, he's growing this incredible little playoff beard that he's he's got going on there (laughs) that he's got towards the end of the season. Um, I just think he's a phenomenal player and he kind of had that almost telekinetic connection with Jared Goff and sort of better quarterbacks come in and it's just it's gone up again um which i think is the sign of a really good player i think he's the sort of guy that i can imagine in a parallel universe would be tom brady's favorite receiver uh, you know he's the sort of guy he'll go in any team in this league and be absolutely incredible and i think he absolutely deserves the mvp i think there's a good chance he's not going to get it because we know we know about the bias involved in that but He's, he's got an incred- incredible performances this year, and I think he deserves that MVP. I want to see him get a ring. I'm all in on Cooper Cup, ultimately.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I like Cooper Cup as well. He, he, he seems like a real intelligent football player, which I like to see, and he's obviously extremely athletic and one of the most consistent third-down receivers in the league, as it stands at the minute. But it's the award for MVP just doesn't often or very rarely go to a non-quarterback or maybe an edge rusher or something like that. But... it it should separate if you separate out quarterback mvp and everything else he probably gets the award this year
0: for sure um and uh who are we going with on this game
1: um i'll probably take the rams i think i'll take the rams but um yeah i I think i'll I'll probably take the rams anyway
2: yeah i've been saying the rams all year i can't really change now (laughs) so rams
0: yeah, I'd say Rams. If, if Hopkins was playing up against Ramsey, I, I think it could be a little different. But um, with Ramsey just having to cover, I think, AJ Green, I think he'd be all right with that. So um, <laughs> I think he'll move around because he might get a little bored. So yeah, I'm going to go with the Rams. But listen, Sam, it's been great having you on to, uh, to preview the games. I really appreciate it. If anyone's interested, uh, where can they find some of your work?
2: Uh, yeah, so you find me on Twitter, at Farley Writes. Uh, I write kind of match reports and covers and previews, uh, and I also post a lot of stuff on Twitter, so f- follow me there. But yeah, just want to say, guys, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, and uh, enjoy the rest of the season.
0: You too, man. Cheers. No, it's been great having you on, Sam, and, and we'd love to have you on again, maybe closer to the, to the Super Bowl or later in the playoffs for sure, to, to preview any, uh, any upcoming games.
2: That'd be fantastic. Awesome
0: excellent stuff so we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to speak into phil perry of nbc sports in boston and you're welcome back to the second part of the Under Center podcast. We are looking ahead to wild card weekend, and we're going to focus on the uh, Buffalo Bills hosting the New England Patriots uh, in the second game on Saturday night. We are delighted to be joined by friend of the show, Phil Perry from NBC Sports in Boston. Phil, it's so great to speak to you. Uh, Happy New Year. Um, is it still okay to say happy new year at this stage? I'm not too sure cuz well we're 2 3 weeks into July at this stage. I think it's maybe we've gone past the point of saying. I think happy no, new I think year. we're
3: safe. I think we're safe. You know, this is my first yeah. time talking to you guys in 2022, so my year is now happier that you guys are in it. It's not as new as it was 2 weeks ago, but it's it's new enough. Let's go with I that. Phil, I think
1: I'm blushing. I think I'm blushing.
3: That's the fever, Jake. Oh, yeah. It could be the fever. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: uh but phil i will get straight into it here with with looking ahead to the game and and we were speaking to, um in the first part of the show and I, I was mentioning that um in the playoffs the games this weekend there's a lot of you could say new um in this and, and what i mean by new is there's a lot of like new qb and head coach partnerships that haven't been to the playoffs before you look at the Bengals with Burrow and Taylor you've got the Raiders with with and Basaccia you've got the Eagles with Hurts and Sirianni the uh, Cardinals interesting enough as well with Kingsbury and, and Murray and then you've got the rookie QB with the most experienced head coach uh, when it comes to playoff times that has left this year in in Bill Belichick and, and Mac Jones and um with that does this is does this make the Patriots a sort of extra dangerous side that they have such an experienced coach that has been here before, has done it before and knows exactly
3: how these games go? Well, there's no doubt it's a benefit to the Patriots to have Bill Belichick on their sideline and for him to understand what it takes to win in these games. And it's not just Bill Belichick, although he is the most critical piece. It's guys like David Andrews and Dante Hightower and Devin McCordy and Shaq Mason and all of these players who have gone through entire Super Bowl runs who understand the focus, the preparation, the intensity of the games themselves, but the, but you know, what you need to get to where you eventually want to be. No doubt about it. That is a benefit. The thing that I would say with the Patriots is going to be an inhibiting factor, though, is their overall talent. Number one, I think you could look at. Their combination of offensive weapons and say, man, across the teams that are still left, right? Um, I wouldn't say they're at the very bottom, but I would say they're near the bottom of the list. And they're, they're vastly improved from where they were last year, but it is what it is. They just do not have explosive, dynamic, playmaking athletes on that side of the ball. And the rookie quarterback has played like a rookie over the course of the last month of the season. I remember talking to you guys right before that Patriots-Falcons game, and they were in the middle of what eventually ended up being a seven-game winning streak. And by the time we were through with that thing, we felt like – Mac. and it wasn't just here in Boston, it wasn't just locally – But Mac Jones was looking like the offensive rookie of the year. The Patriots were looking like one of the toughest teams in football because they could run it on anybody. They just stomped on Buffalo's faces in Buffalo. They threw it three times and still beat them. They looked like they were going to be back atop the division for the next however many years. And the Bills had basically a one-year run there. So congratulations, you know, hashtag Bills Mafia. But that's how we were talking about it up here. And really since then, the Patriots, and specifically Mac Jones, have kind of come undone we're just seeing him make mistakes we hadn't seen him make all year and i would say three of the last four games the three of the last four that they've lost uh you know you could make the argument that they have been mac jones's three worst games so not exactly how you want to be entering into the playoffs whether you have bill belichick on your side or not
0: yeah and and looking then especially last week um with the game against the Dolphins, and it seems to be the sort of kryptonite there a little bit now with, with the Dolphins in the last couple of years. um, We've seen that, like, the the RPO sort of action that the, the Dolphins run, it's not maybe the strong point of the Bills, but is there anything that maybe Sean McDermott is going to be looking at that game last week and probably pinpointing as a way to sort of get at, at the Patriots?
3: No doubt about it, because they will run some of that RPO stuff. And so the Patriots are going to have to have that figured out. I thought for sure they would have it figured out going into Miami because it's essentially their entire offense, you know. And so the fact that on their first drive, they ran several of those types of plays and they were picking up 9, 10, 11 yards every time they ran it. That to me was an issue. They were missing two of their best second level defenders in Dante Hightower and Kyle Duggar in that game. And it looked like today out at practice that Duggar was not there. We haven't gotten the official injury report yet, but Duggar's dealing with a hand injury. If he can't go in this game against Buffalo, it's a factor again for the second straight week, because again, you're you facing an athletic quarterback, which Tua Vilo is not nearly the athlete Josh Allen is, but he was athletic enough to really hurt the Patriots in some critical moments with scrambles and so that's one thing that i could see the bills tapping into and and brian dayball in particular and he's been more willing to do this late in the year which is use josh allen as a runner whether it's in the design game or just encouraging him to say hey if your first read's not there and there's an open lane it's the end of the season there's you know no holds barred at this point in time maybe earlier in the year you'd want to protect josh allen and say hey we don't need you rushing eight, nine, ten times a game because we need you. We need you to be healthy. And that's still true. But now it's the postseason. He's your best weapon on the ground. They don't really have much of a running game without him, even though they've tried to run it more. And they, I, again, later in the year, they've been more willing. It's appeared as though they've been more willing to u- use him as part of the run games. That's something I certainly think they would do because Tua hurt them with his legs the other day. And to me, it was because the Patriots were so undisciplined In their pass rush, that's really one thing that they're focused on this week. And from some of the players we've had a chance to talk to already, we're hearing it over and over and over again. You can't let Josh Allen break the pocket. You can't let Josh Allen hurt you with his legs. We know he's a dynamite thrower of the football, and we'll see what it looks like when the temperatures are are where they're going to be in Buffalo on Saturday. But they know, number one, they have to stop his legs because if they can't do that, they're not going to have a shot.
1: Phil, do you think that the, the weather is going to play a big part in the game? Because by all accounts, it's going to be sub-zero. It's going to be absolutely frozen. The Patriots are playing at out outdoor, training outdoor now, aren't they? Just to kind of prepare for the game. And as you mentioned, Josh Allen's probably going to have a chance opportunity to run the ball a lot more because obviously if it's a horrible weather, you're going to want to run the ball and not throw it as much.
3: Yeah, I mean, that first meeting in Buffalo, I thought was the extreme example of – just how significantly the conditions can impact how these teams perform. One team is built for this time of year. The Patriots should be built for this time of year. They're built around their running game. They're built around taking care of the football, playing good defense. For them to succeed, that's what they need to do. And to face zero-degree temperatures, which is what it looks like they're going to see, Is that negative 18 Celsius? Did I see that somewhere? I have no idea how to make that conversion there, guys, but it it sounds bad, whatever it is. And I'm going to be out there just an absolute popsicle, I'm sure, on the sidelines trying to do our pre and post game uh, television shows. But, you know, the cold is going to impact it. It was again, it was severe when they were in Buffalo, 50 mile an hour winds. They're not going to see that again. But uh, my buddy, Matthew Fairburn, from The Athletic, he had some interesting numbers in terms of Josh Allen's performance in the cold. So when the temperatures are 31 degrees or colder, Allen is 3-2 and in terms of his record. He's only completed 50.3% of his passes for 166 yards per game, six touchdowns, seven picks. So... He's not the same guy generally when it's really, really cold that way. And it's going to be much colder than 31 degrees. It's, again, it's going to be zero, it looks like. So to me, that's favoring the Patriots coming into this one because we know they're, they're fine if they don't have to throw it at all. And the Bills obviously are built around that unbelievable quarterback that they have.
1: Yeah, the Bills yeah. rushing game is probably the most infuriating rushing game in all of the league to watch because it just is so unsuccessful all the time unless Josh Allen gets the ball out.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned there about Alan Stats and Nicole because he is one player that you that you do sort of notice one quarterback that insists in and in, in going like gloveless and, and no long sleeve when he's playing it's always the short sleeve and, and, and that and that could play a, a factor into it. we've seen like even even like the greats like brady do alter their sort of you know the, the wear gloves if they need to if it's cold just to make sure that they keep their hands warm and that like that that they don't lose control of the ball which can result in picks
3: yeah brady used to go full scuba suit uh <laughs> underneath yeah. his his jersey i mean he, it, that thing was thick and it was full body uh and it worked for him and so you know Mac Jones has been interesting because we've been peppering him with questions about how he's going to handle the, whole, the cold now obviously again the reason i'd say it favors the patriots is because they don't need mac jones to throw 50 times and complete you know 300 yards worth of passes for them to be able to win a football game he just has to not throw picks essentially but he's a guy who who really has not performed in the conditions from what we've seen thus far well at all. And he hasn't even had that many opportunities to, to throw in the cold. Again, that game in Buffalo, he threw it three times. And then when Buffalo was here and when Jacksonville was here late in the season, those were really mild New England days. Those were not dead of winter New England days here at Gillette Stadium. So he's going to have one of those dead of winter games. And he's from Jacksonville, Florida. He played his college football in the SEC for Alabama, where he didn't see anything close to what he's going to see in Buffalo. So if it becomes a passing game, I really don't like the Patriots chances. They have to make this sort of an old fashioned slop fest ground and pound kind of game. And they have to hope, you know, it's the same thing on the other side. Cause if you let Josh Allen sit back there and throw, which they did the first time around, it was almost like they put it in his hands. Hey, we don't want to get beat by your legs. He still ran for 60 some odd yards. So they didn't do a great job in that regard either, but we don't want to get beat by your legs. So, we, will, we won't even really pass rush. What they did was they tried sort of this mush rush where they were just trying to keep Josh Allen in front of them. They weren't trying to beat their blockers and get up the field because they felt like that would open up lanes for Josh Allen to exploit on the ground. Well, that didn't work because he had all kinds of time. He had four five seconds at times behind the line of scrimmage. And if they did get close, all you had to do was sidestep them or get a little bit of a, a you know, a backward sort of movement in the pocket and he could loft it over defenders. And he was really accurate that day. I don't know if that accuracy will be there in Buffalo, but I I think they are going to have to change their plan somewhat because he just, I thought he had the best game of his career at Gillette stadium a few weeks ago, the Patriots, you know, you can't get anywhere near that kind of performance in terms of what you're giving up to Josh Allen, or you're going to be going home.
0: Yeah. And I think didn't Mac actually wear a suit, scuba suit as well in, in Buffalo week 14? It was it was reported.
3: Time. It was reported. It looked like a scuba suit. He, he said it wasn't. It was but it was similar. And he's getting his thoughts from or he's getting his suggestions from Brian Hoyer, who obviously spent a lot of time with Tom Brady and I'm sure learned what to wear in the cold from Brady. So it's it is sort of this Patriots quarterbacks tradition that that feels like it's being passed down. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's fashion and that it may yeah. and that may be it you know yeah. <laughs> like it may be limited to that i don't know how how much uh brian hoyer is teaching mac jones at this point outside of what to wear in the cold but you know.
0: <laughs> it probably was maybe like a two-piece but it was definitely a full body something full body anyway it was trousers and the top maybe it wasn't all the, a onesie piece maybe that maybe brady probably wore back then but <laughs> but it, look, look at that, that sort of Um, you mentioned the pass rush and and sort of one player that has, you know, maybe defied expectation a little bit, but maybe there wasn't too much expectation because he is a rookie coming into this season is, is Christian Barmore. He, he sort of, uh, he is questionable at the moment of this game, He's sort of uh, dealing with an injury. And um, what is the prognosis for, for Saturday? Is he looking good for that game? And and if not sort of how, um, how big of a miss would he be if he doesn't make it?
3: Well, First and foremost, I'm shocked he was at practice today. Now, again, we haven't gotten the official report yet. Was he limited? Was he a full participant? I would be even more shocked if he was a full participant. But he's dealing with a knee. I think he's probably going to come down as a limited participant. But even that is surprising to me because when he left that game in Miami, I mean, he had trouble just standing up. He had to be carted off. He had a hard time getting back to the locker room. So for for him to go to that, from that, I should say, to practicing, Even if it's in a limited capacity, capacity, that to me is surprising. In terms of his play, he has been a game changer for them, even as a rookie. And it really has specifically been the combination of Barmore and Judon together that really has helped this defense end up statistically as one of the best in football. Because what they have in the secondary is not what they have had over the course of the last several years. We know Stephon Gilmore's gone, but one of their better corners, Jonathan Jones, has been out the vast majority of the season. J.C. Jackson's had a great year. But starting opposite him is Jalen Mills, who the Patriots signed to really be sort of a jack-of-all-trades, not a, not a full-time number two starting outside the numbers kind of corner. And yet he's been okay. And Miles Bryant, who's been their filling slot corner off the practice squad, a guy who didn't even make the team out of training camp, He's been okay as well, and I think the reason for that is because they've had this pass rush that has been really, really good all year up until the last few weeks. And it's been, Barmore has been the constant. He even had a good game. He was one of the few Patriots defenders who I thought played well in Miami. He's been fine. It's the Judon part of the equation that has sort of evaporated. And that, to me, has to be a major concern for the Patriots because, again, the formula for them to win, guys, to beat good teams at least, is very easy. Don't turn it over play amazingly on defense. You're probably going to get a a run-of-the-mill sort of running game no matter the week from the Patriots, so that has been a constant. But it's been when they turn it over and they don't play well defensively, that's when they can lose to anybody, really. And Judon hasn't had a quarterback hit or a sack since that first game in Buffalo. So that was week 13. So it's been a while since he's made any kind of impact plays. And if he doesn't do that, Especially if Barmore is limited or is dealing with this injury in Buffalo, it's going to be really difficult for them, I think, to pull this game out.
0: Yeah, and finally, then Phil, before we let you go, sorry let you go, um, who um, who you think is going to uh, uh,
3: continue on after Saturday? I'm I'm going to pick the Bills right now, and it's honestly it's it's tougher for me to make that choice than maybe it should be. You know, you just look at it, right? Patriots lose three of their last four. They're just just—they're just performing in such a way that their, their games are all colored by, these losses have all been colored by self-inflicted wounds, right? Unforced errors, penalties, turnovers, bad starts, like lack of energy, like things you don't expect at all, things that are really easy, should be easy to fix, but they just haven't fixed. And that's why it's still difficult for me to say, man, this is – this really is a, a game that looks like it's kind of built for them. It's going to be cold. It's going to be outdoors in the Northeast in January. This is kind of what they're made to do. And all the mistakes that they've had that have taken them out of some of these games are very much correctable, or they should be at least, but they haven't corrected them. And so I have to put my foot down at some point and say, <laughs> you know, I, I can't get duped again because if they're able to fix them in the first, in the wild card round here, then good for them. We will have seen it. We will have seen them beat a good team on the road in a tough environment, but they just haven't done that this year consistently enough. I mean, you look at their best wins. It's that game in Buffalo, which a total outlier game in terms of how it played out, that win. And at Los Angeles against the Chargers, and they ended up not being a playoff team. So, you know, if they win this game on Saturday, they will have done something that we really haven't seen from them this year. So that's why I'm going to be picking the Bills it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think I think it'll probably be somewhere in the range of like 20 to 17, Bills. That, that'll probably be what my final pick will end up being.
1: Yeah, it kind of seems like a, a field position-type game. Um, close, both teams kind of trying to minimize mistakes, but I still can't really pick the Patriots in this one. I think I'll probably have to pick the Bills as well.
3: It's just weird because, right, when we think of Bill Belichick coach teams, you think that they are going to be the team. You know, Whether or not they have enough talent to win, that's one thing. But they're not going to give you the game. They're not going to lose the game. They're going to force you to win it. And that's, it's just not who they've been late in this year against good teams. Indianapolis at Indy, Buffalo at home, Miami at the end of the year. It's been the same story. So until they change their ways, it, it's hard to pick them right now.
0: Yeah. And look, it, it cannot be lost that, that this is still it uh, should be seen as a successful season in, for, for Patriots fans and, and for the team too, especially like it is Mac Jones first year, you know, it is still a sort of a rebuild. I know they, they spent a lot of money in in free agency and it looks like it was good money too. And like, there's a few questionable ones. Now I see, I say john Smith is probably the, the most disappointing free agent acquisition that they've had so far. He just hasn't been able to, you know, get involved as much as, uh, who was a Hunter Henry was the other tight end that they that they acquired as well. But like right. they're getting performances out of Kendrick Bourne and you know bringing Kyle Van Noy back as well and you know so it's still it's still a great platform to to go forward with next year if it is the case that that it doesn't
3: work out on Saturday. No doubt. I mean, big picture, right? Number one, it looks like you found a quarterback, right? So that that is a major box checked moving forward you don't really have to worry about that obviously this offseason who knows two or three offseasons down the road if it looks like he's Kirk Cousins you know maybe you decide at some point at the end of his rookie deal that it's time to start looking for another guy so that to me is the big picture why you would look at this and say good season the reason it, it it is disappointing I think for a lot of Patriots fans is because you were in such prime position you know going into that game in Indy you were the you were the number one seed in the conference and you lost three of your last four to two pretty good teams and one mediocre team. And you did it in such a way that it indicated to all of us that maybe that seven game win streak that they had wasn't as great an example of who they truly are as, as what we saw in the last month of the season. At least those are the questions that are being asked here now. And I think they're fair. Again, I, I really do. You know, so I would get it if people were disappointed by how it finished. Big picture, yes, you got the quarterback, but you did spend a lot of money. They were they were really built. They were really built to contend this year, not just be competitive, but to to really contend. And it's asking a lot, but that's what they were hoping for. And if they go one and done, it's hard to say they truly contended. That's not real contention to me. Uh, they were competitive. They were much better than last year. It was improvement. But I think if they lose this game on Saturday, you'll have a lot of disappointed folks in in the greater Boston area and the six-state New England region. Let's not forget about the rest of those New England states.
0: Excellent So Phil. It, it's it's uh, a pleasure as always to have you on the show. It's always great to speak um, about the Patriots. You make um, I'm sure you make our listeners maybe hate them a little bit less, or maybe a little bit more. Because if you hate <laughs> them, if you make them hate a little bit more, you're probably doing your job right.
3: I hope so. Yeah, I hope there's a little bit of both out there. But I always love talking to you guys. I appreciate you uh, giving me a shout to to join you. It's always fun, and this this next week will be great. This is a great time of year, regardless of of which team you're rooting for. And, you know, whether you've got a team that's still playing or not, just (laughs) happen to mention that, given the two guys I'm talking to right now, it is still a lot of fun, right? I mean, it's a lot of football. It's all, you know, essentially prime time. They're great matchups. You can sit down on the couch and just kind of let it kind of bat. You kind of bask in it yourself. Just kind of sink into your couch. Don't move for a while and just watch a bunch of football. It's nice. Yeah, don't
0: worry, don't worry, Phil. will be joining us on the beach very soon. <laughs> very soon. I'll bring uh,
3: I'll bring my golf clubs. Excellent stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> again, thanks so much, Signon. We hope you uh, enjoy the games at the weekend for sure, and I'm I am I'm, I'm certain we'll be speaking to you again uh, in the near future.
3: Perfect. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys.
0: Jake, as always, thank you to you as well. Uh, you were on mute, but I'm sure you're saying thank you, Dara. You are the best. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <well> done, <laughs> Thanks, Dara. You're not the best. But, uh... <laughs> Well, that is where we're going to wrap up this edition of the show. Remember, you can follow us on our social channels, Twitter and Instagram are both the same at Undercenter Pod. Uh, go to our YouTube page, Undercenter Podcast. That's where you get all of our shows too. And just do the same for the audio side of things, Under Center Podcast. You'll search that wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us. You'll get this show. You get all of our shows. And uh, because we are back, and it's going to be a huge twenty twenty two that we're really looking forward to. To. Um, but like I said this is where I'm going to wrap up the show enjoy the games at the weekend um, and we will speak to you real soon so stay safe